if you are, uh, let's see, up through grade 5, through grade 5, grades 5 and below are dismissed. I think that's right. I think I said that right. Um, the youth will stay with us this morning. Welcome. I am so happy to see you. I'm glad you're here today. I greet you in the name of my Savior. I want to start off today by just saying something to you, and I, I wouldn't say this, I don't say this very often, but I say it today. Um, uh, if you're here today, I really believe that the Lord wanted you here today to hear what I'm going to say. Uh, I just, as I, all week long as I worked on this, um, I just thought of you very specifically, your names and faces, and how I feel like God really wanted to say something to you specifically. Um, we're going to talk about waiting on God to fulfill His promises to us. And I just believe that this room is, uh, I hate to say the word full, full of people, but I believe that there are a number of people in this room who God has given you a promise and you have been waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. And you are very discouraged and weary. And God wants you to find hope today. And renewed strength um, to wait and not give up. And so, I want to, I want to, I want to, I want you to really try to to listen and not miss this. Um, I think you'd agree with me that Christmas, just by definition, is a time of waiting. Um, we wait in airports. We wait in traffic. We wait in. Um, Checkout lines, we wait um, for the mailman, the FedEx truck, we wait for Santa Claus, we wait to get gifts and to give gifts, we wait for the snow to come, we wait for Christmas parties, we wait for loved ones to arrive, we wait for the joy of uh, special family gatherings. And I was just thinking about this idea of waiting. And I've, I've spent a lot of, this week I've spent a lot of time in Matthew and in Luke just getting my, my mind around the first Christmas. And one of the things that I see in the people that participated in the first Christmas is that their first Christmas was just like ours. It involved a lot of waiting uh, everybody involved in the Christmas, the first Christmas, they were doing waiting. They were waiting a lot. Zachariah and Elizabeth, John the Baptist parents, they were waiting, waiting to get pregnant. And then after she got pregnant, waiting for this baby, this miraculous child uh, to come. Mary and Joseph, they were waiting. They were waiting to see how. Uh, this announcement that each of them, Mary and Joseph, had each uh, received from an angel 
What's that going to look like? How, Anna? Remember those? Is that going to be fulfilled? They were waiting. Um, Simeon and Anna. Remember those two old people who were at the temple a the, uh, few days after Jesus was born? And uh, uh, Jesus was brought to the temple a, a few days after he was born to be dedicated. Uh, and these, these two old people were standing there and they'd been waiting for years and years and years because God had made each of them a promise before you die, you're going to see the Messiah. You're going to see the, 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 the means through which God will redeem and restore Israel. In Luke chapter 2, God said to uh, Simeon, he was waiting for the Messiah and the redemption of Israel. And then in the same chapter, a few verses later, it says that same thing about Anna, this old woman. She had been waiting in the temple most of her life, waiting for the redemption of Israel. Um, if you study not only the, the uh, Gospels, but if you study uh, Jewish history of the time of Jesus, one of the things that you do, they were waiting. The nation of Israel was waiting. They were they were waiting. They, they were waiting for God to honor his promise, promises to Abraham and to the patriarchs, his promises to Moses, his promises to David, his promises that he made through the Old Testament prophets like Joel and Micah and Isaiah and Jeremiah. Um, God had made all these prophecies and the people of Israel, the nation of Israel, they were waiting and there was, this, there was a certain unique expectation and heightened uh, 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 excitement about the fact that God was there was something they sensed that something was about to happen they were waiting for God to, to fulfill his promises in Isaiah 25 the prophet says one day it will be said surely this is our God for whom we have been waiting and he has saved us. This is the Lord for whom we have been waiting. And we are now glad. And then in Psalm 130. It says. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. And in his word I put my hope. My soul waits for the Lord. More than a watchman waits for the morning. More than a watchman waits for the morning. O Israel, put your hope in the Lord. For in him you will find loving devotion and redemption in abundance and forgiveness from all your iniquities. The people of Israel have been hearing these promises for years and years and years that God was going to do something to make right all that was wrong regarding the his people, the people of Israel. And they were waiting for God to do this. It even says, if you, this is, you, have to, you have to do some diligent study and careful study. But the Bible, I'm going to read these verses to you and you'll have to ponder them. But the Bible even suggests that the nations were waiting. They were waiting. They didn't know what they were waiting for. The people of Israel knew God was going to send a deliverer, a Messiah. They misinterpreted what that person was going to look like and what that person was going to do. 
But they knew it was a person they were waiting for. The nations, I don't believe they had any idea. They just knew. And I would suggest they still know. Things are not as they should be. There's something wrong with the way the world works and operates. Uh, the nations were waiting for something cosmic to occur. That's why the wise men, they were not Jewish people. These wise men, they came when they saw something occur. And we've, we've talked about that in years past. And we'll probably talk about it again this month. But they came representing the people of the world, the Gentiles. They came to Israel looking to see... Is this what God is going to do to make the world right? Isaiah says, In God's name, the nations put their hope. And if you read the rest of that chapter, they're hoping for a new day and a new world. And in Haggai chapter 2, it says, I will shake all nations, and what they are waiting for, they will as I fill my house with my glory, says the Lord God Almighty. They're waiting. The nations are waiting. And I, and I would say that nothing's changed. They're still waiting for whatever their understanding of something beyond them to come and invade and make right what is wrong. And I just, I just wanted to take a few minutes today and talk to you as we start the Christmas holiday season about this idea of waiting. Um, you read this story, Christmas story, like I said, in Luke 1 and 2, and in uh, Matthew, the first couple of chapters, and you, you, you can't help but see that waiting was a big part of the Christmas story. And I would suggest... That waiting is a big part of God's story for each one of us. God has always valued waiting. God has always made waiting a part of God's waited plans for the people that he loves the most. Noah waited a hundred years between when God told him rain would come and the first drop fell. Abraham and Sarah waited 25 years between when he made them a promise of a little boy and when they heard the cry of that little baby when he came out of Sarah's womb. Joseph waited years and years and years for God to fulfill that promise that he made to Joseph that someday your family would bow before you in worship and in honor and in thanks it, Joseph waited literally a lifetime as a child and then as a slave and then as a prisoner for God to fulfill that promise. Israel waited hundreds of years in slavery to Egypt uh, for God to deliver them. Then they waited 40 years to finally get into the promised land. Um, uh, Moses waited 80 years for God to open the door for him to walk into this place of fulfilling his calling, his purpose in life. David waited 
I forgot exactly how many years David waited, but many, many years between the time that God sent Samuel to anoint David, you will be the next king of Israel. But that took years before David was anointed, or before David became the king of Israel. And I could go on and on and on with example after example of God's favorites, God's chosen, God's people in whom he delighted and he made promises to. There were years and years of waiting between when God made those promises to people and when God fulfilled those promises. Uh, then you get to the New Testament. And you see all of the people, the key, the major players in the New Testament, waiting. The twelve disciples were constantly saying, Jesus, buddy, we've committed our life to you. We're in. We're in hook, line, and seeker. We're for you. We believe in you. When are you going to reveal yourself and usher in this kingdom? John the Baptist, are you the Messiah? Are you the chosen one? I declared three and a half years ago, I declared three and a half years ago that you were the Lamb of God, the coming uh, Messiah. But are you? I'm waiting on you to do what I told everybody that you would do. The early church waited for the return of Christ. As I said, the nations are waiting for God to do something. The Bible even suggests that nature, Paul says in Romans, that, that, that nature itself is agonizing in, their, in its waiting for God to make right what Adam and Eve messed up in the fall. The Bible says in Revelations that literally the people of heaven are constantly asking God, how long? How long, God? How long before you go back down to earth and make right what has been done wrong? The earth is in shambles. It's not operating the way it's supposed to. How long, oh God, before you go back? We're waiting. We're waiting. Even in heaven, we're waiting for you to do what you have told us that you would do. And I would even suggest, so that you don't feel like you're being picked on or you're somehow uh, in, a, in a place that's less than favored, God waits. In fact, I would suggest that no one waits like God himself. God is waiting. He's waiting to make right all that has been defiled and destroyed. He's waiting on you and me to give our lives to him or to give our lives to him in more uh, uh, complete devotion. He's waiting for the, to, to, make, to heal the nations. He, God is waiting. He's waiting. Waiting is a part of who God is. Waiting is a part of God's plans for all of us. In 1 Peter chapter 1, um, it says, You love Him, though you have never seen Him. And you don't see Him now, but you trust Him. And you rejoice with inexpressible joy. And your reward will be the salvation of your soul. The, the ultimate reward for those that wait upon this one that we've never seen. The ultimate reward will be the salvation of our souls. And then in 2 Timothy 4 it says, 
there is in, Paul says, there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day and to all who long for his coming. Ultimately, one of the rewards, one of the crowns that people will receive from God on the day of, the, of, of judgment will be there will be a crown given to people who have waited faithfully for God to return. Waiting's a big deal to God. Waiting is a big deal to God that we learn to do well. But I got to admit to you, and my wife sitting back there probably because she's sweet and kind and gracious, she's not going to say it, and hopefully she's not thinking it too much, but there's a little part of her uh, mind that's, that's thinking right now, you hypocrite. <laughs> of all the people in the world, to stand up and talk about waiting well, I ought to be the last in line. I am so impatient. I want instant help, instant gratification, instant answers. I want instant uh, uh, provision and protection from God, help and relief. I want instant help. Waiting well is hard. It's hard for me. I don't do it well. But I want to tell you today, I'd like to learn. I would like to learn to wait well. Going through life is much more enjoyable when we've learned to wait well. Impatience, aggravation, frustration, irritation make the journey unpleasant. And I would suggest, not just for you and me, Irritation and frustration and irritability and impatience makes the journey very difficult for those that we're traveling with. And if you're not excited about learning how to wait well, I can tell you the people that travel with you, they're excited about you learning to wait well. And I can tell you that my wife is excited about me learning that too. It is a genuine need in my life, and I would suggest it's probably a need in your life as well. We like traveling with people who are able to be patient and wait well. But how do you do that? How do, you, how do we, if God values it, and we need it, and those that we are traveling with want it for us, how do you learn to wait well? Well, clearly I don't have this down pat. But I do have five suggestions that I want to make to you real quick. That I really feel like are worthy of our consideration. And I got these from these, the lives of those that I was studying this week at the first Christmas. Um, Elizabeth and Zachariah and 
Simeon and Anna and Joseph and Mary in particular. So I studied their lives. It just some things jumped out at me uh, about waiting. Um, one is, one, one of the things that I think is important about learning to wait well is just people that wait well understand that waiting is a part of the plan. It's the way it's supposed to work. If you go to Disney World, I would suggest that the trip will be much more enjoyable. The experience will be much more pleasant. If you know ahead of time, you're going to do a lot of waiting. Versus walking in, my wife would say, Larry, did you come down here thinking there wouldn't be any lines? That was not on your radar at all. You thought you would just walk right in and walk through every ride front door with nobody in front of you. And the tragedy is that I can get into a place if I'm not careful where that's exactly what I think. I've got to wait at a restaurant. I've got to wait in traffic. I've got to wait uh, in Disney World. I've got to wait. I've got to wait on people. If, if, if I'm not careful, I can easily forget that waiting is a part of God's plan. I'm not being punished. I am not odd. This is not, no one else has got to wait but me. Somehow I have made the gods angry and they put a, a waiting spell on me. No, no, no. Waiting is a part of God's plan for my life. And I would go so far as to say, it's not just a part of God's plan for my life. Waiting is important. God created things to operate in such a way that I have to wait. And let me tell you this. I would suggest that what God is doing in my life and in your life during the time of waiting is as important to God as the fulfillment of what you're waiting for. What God does in my life while I'm having to wait is, is that is equally significant, equally valuable, equally important in God's economy as that which I'm waiting for and that God is waiting to do for me. God values waiting. It's not wasted, empty time. It's when I'm having to wait on you, on my mate, on my children, or in my job, in my finances, in my health. I want to suggest to all of us that in that process of waiting, where is God in my life? Right there. That's If you're wondering where God is in your life, look where you're having to wait. That's where God is primarily at work. Our pride says no, it's wrong that I have to wait. I don't deserve to wait. It's unfair that I have to wait. I'm the only one that has to wait. Poor me, woe is me. That's my pride speaking. And God's saying, I want to attack your pride. And one of the things that I'm doing in helping you wait is I'm addressing and dealing with and attacking that pride that's robbing you of life. My fear rebels against waiting. I'm, when I have to wait, 
there is a terror in my life. Is somebody else getting what I'm wanting? And by waiting, somebody else is going to get up closer in front of the line? By waiting, does that mean it's never going to happen? There's a terror that whatever I'm waiting for is ultimately not going to happen or that someone else is going to get it or that this waiting process is going to last way too long. People who wait well are people who understand that waiting is a part of God's plan and it is the very place where God is at work the most in our lives. Number two. People that wait well. Are people that have been given a promise from God. I want to say that again. People who wait well. Are people that have been given a promise from God. That they are clinging to. That's a difference. In a hope and a wish. The Bible never tells us to wish for anything. Wishing's poo-poo. Wishing what kids do when they blow out birthday candles or when you throw a penny in a well or when you spin the the roulette wheel or you sit in front of the blackjack table. You're wishing. You're wishing. Okay? That's not biblical. That's not, God's not involved in wishing. God's involved in hope, in hope. Zechariah and Elizabeth, they were given a promise from God and they waited clinging to that hope, that promise that God would do what he said. Joseph and Mary, they were given a promise from the angel Gabriel. That a baby would be born and this baby would be unique like no other. And this baby would grow, and grow up and change the world. Mary and Joseph could wait because they had been given a promise. Um, um, uh, Simeon and Anna, they both were given a promise. Before you die, you will see the redemption of Israel with your own eyes. And they waited for years. They didn't just wait. They waited clinging to a promise that God had given them. That's the difference in wishing for what I want and waiting for what God has promised me. It's not like gambling. It's not like a gambler. It's not like a kid, as I said, blowing out a birthday candle or throwing a penny in a well. Waiting on God is more like a farmer who goes to the co-op store and buys a bag of seed. And the man behind the counter says, Sir, if you will plant this seed, I'm telling you, you're going to get the best crop you could ever imagine. And the farmer goes home and he plants these seeds in the ground. Why? Because it's based upon a promise. Um, It's like, A bus coming. We wait for a bus. I could go out there and stand under that tree right there. And wish for the bus to come by. But that's not what you do. Right? I don't just stand in front of a tree wishing for the bus to come by. I go to where the bus stop 
is, and I look on the, uh, the little uh, schedule deal, and there, if you will, it's a promise that if you stand in this spot at this time during each day, a bus will come. I'm waiting for the bus based upon a promise. Or uh, on Wednesdays, I have a dear friend, one of my best friends, and we have lunch um, together, and we just talk and catch up, and we try to sharpen each other a little bit if we can. And uh, uh, sometimes my friend, who's much busier than I am, uh, is late. Uh, but you know what? Never once, never once have I gotten up and left because she was 5, 10, 15 minutes late. You know why? Because she's my friend, and, and I know this about her. If she tells you she'll be there, hospital, or she'll be there. Win, lose, or draw. She's either there or she's in the hospital or at the funeral home. That's the only three options that I know of. She's, I wait on my friend because she has told me, she's made a promise, I will be there. Waiting is never, and this is important, we are not asked to wait by God. He doesn't ask us to wait. At moving from nothing to something. We're not waiting. Uh, in, there's not movement from nothing to something. The waiting that God asks of us is a waiting that moves from something small, the promise, to something grand, the fulfillment of the promise. But I will not wait, and I would suggest God doesn't want us to wait until He's given us a promise. Psalm 119 says, Your promise, O Lord, has given me comfort and hope in my affliction. And I would suggest that one of the greatest forms of affliction is having to wait. Wait on our children to be transformed into the people that we see them to be. Waiting for our marriages to be healed. Waiting for our finances to, come, to move from disaster to abundance. Waiting for our health to move from poo-poo to feeling good. And I could go on and on and on. There is no greater affliction. Than having to wait. But the Bible says. Your promise has given me comfort. And hope in my affliction. Second Peter chapter 1 says. That God has given us great. And precious promises. That enable us to share. In his divine nature. And Hebrews chapter 6 says. Imitate people who through faith and patience. Inherit what God has promised. God promised to bless and multiply Abraham and his descendants. And after waiting patiently. They gained what God had promised. Abraham waited. But he didn't just wait. He waited on God to do what God had promised him. So my question to you, and the question that I ask myself is, am I waiting for life to just get better? That's what I see people doing. 
Larry, I'd like to sit down and talk with you. Well, what's going on, George? My, my marriage sucks. Well, I understand that. No, uh, no, my, my marriage sucks. Or Brandon, you know, what do you want to talk to? Man, my kids are terrible. Or, or Terry, what do you want to talk about? Well, my finances are terrible. Well, and we talk, and then everybody gets up and goes home, and at the end of the day, what, I've, what they've left me with, I'm just waiting for something good. I'm just waiting for things to change. I'm just waiting for life to get better. Versus Larry, God has given, I have discovered, and I'm not going to get into how God makes us promises, the most, uh, the way that I think is the best plan. <laughs> Let me say this. The way that I believe God makes promises to us, the best plan is that I spend time in His Word and through His Word, He makes promises to me. Is that the only way that God makes promises to people? I'm 60 years old, and I've discovered that God can do things a lot of different ways. And I'm not going to write off or minimize or negate or dismiss that God can do things any way He wants to, okay? I am suggesting to you that this is a book full of promises, and God delights in making promises to His people, and He delights in fulfilling those promises. God wants to give us promises. Personal promises. Specific promises. Unbelievable promises. Impossible promises. And then he asks us to wait until he fulfills those in amazing ways. People that wait well are also people that are active waiters. Active versus passive waiters. Let me go back to my farmer analogy. A farmer waits for his crop, right? He sows the seed and he's waiting for this harvest to come in. And he has to wait months for the harvest to come in. Man, I think farming would be... Anybody in here a farmer? Anybody ever... Did you grow up near a farmer? Have you ever known any farmers? Um, you know, what I've, in my mind, the way I envision a farmer's life, he, drive, he goes to the co-op, buys 100, 200, 500, 1,000 pounds of seed, puts it in the back of his pickup truck, goes home, pours it in the back of his tractor, the seed sowing machine, and he zooms all around his fields and throws his seed out there, and then he goes home, and he watches Oprah, and I, I know she's not even on anymore, but whoever, whoever's on TV, dialing for dollars or whoever it is, he, he sits at home and watches TV until the day that the crop is ready to be harvested. He doesn't do anything else. He just sits around and waits. He's, he sowed the seed. So now he just waits for the harvest. Is that the way that works? Is that, what, is that the testimony of a farmer? No, 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 no. Man, he's breaking up soil. He's fertilizing. He's watering. He's making sure that all of his crops get enough sunlight. He's weeds, uh, uh, shooting pesticides uh, 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 and insecticides and all these things on his crops. He's, he, a farmer's life is a life of waiting. But I would suggest to you that a farmer's way of waiting is the most active, diligent, faithful, hard-working Simeon and Anna and the wide body that you'd ever want to meet.
Mary and Simeon and Anna and the wise men, they displayed a waiting that was active. Mary going with Joseph. What a, what a declaration of active waiting. Mary, you need to stick close to Joseph. Well, Mary, I got to go to, I got to travel 50 miles or 60 miles of, of hard terrain to go do this tax deal. I'm going with you. I'm going with you. Simeon and Anna, where were they? They, were, they weren't sitting at home waiting for somebody to knock on the door and go, hey, the Messiah's come. No, no, no. They went, they went to the one place that if the Messiah was going to come, he'd come to the temple. They, he, they went to the place that they knew that's where I'll see the Messiah. Active waiting. It's not waiting like for the rain to stop or for Santa to come or for your ship to come in or for there to be some knock on the door uh, uh, of somebody that you've been wanting to meet or get to know. That's not the kind of waiting the Bible talks about. It's like waiting for your cancer to be healed. That's active waiting. You go to West Clinic every two or three days. You change, you change what you put in your body. You change the way you do your schedule. Or it's like waiting for a baby to be born. You know, well, you're pregnant. Okay, well, I'm going to go home and just sit around and watch TV until the baby's born. No, no, no. That's not the way that works. You start taking prenatal vitamins. You change your diet. You stop drinking. You start focusing on uh, uh, exercise. There's all kinds. Of, it's active waiting. For your kids to turn out great. You're waiting for your kids. I got to spend the weekend with my daughter. I had such a good time. And she's so... I'm so proud of her. She's how old, Charlie? 32? A lot of waiting. A lot of waiting before that harvest came in. I didn't just sit around and ignore her. It took a lot of active waiting. I ate Thanksgiving lunch with my father-in-law, who's not doing real good. Uh, it talked about his business and how remarkable this business that he started 32 years ago, I think, give or take, from nothing. He literally, only time I've ever known my father-in-law to ever lie. I've never known him to tell a lie in my uh, 48 years of knowing him, um, he didn't have any money. He went to the bank to borrow money, and he borrowed money on his insurance. He borrowed money on his retirement. He borrowed money on his house. He borrowed money on everything he could get his hands on. Uh, and he even borrowed money on, his, on a house that he didn't own <laughs> back where he was from in Meridian, Mississippi. Um, but my point is that he... He waited and waited and waited and waited for this business to become successful. And it did. But during that waiting, that man worked his fanny off 
every day for 35 years. He wasn't just sitting around wishing, wishing. I want a husband. I'm just wishing for a good husband or a good wife. Wishing for good kids. Wishing for a business success. Wishing for better health. That's, that's, I don't know what that is, but that's not what I'm talking about. The waiting in the Bible is active waiting. Active waiting. 2 Peter chapter 3 says, As you wait for God's help, do all you can to live peaceful, pure, blameless lives. As you wait for God to invade and intervene and heal, you do all you can do. Number four, people that wait well are people who are open waiters. And this is the hardest one. I want you to hear me well. People that wait well are people that are open waiters versus closed waiters. And what I mean by open waiters is this. These are people that understand and are convinced that God has made them a promise But the fulfillment of that promise is going to flow out of God's love and God's goodness and God's wisdom, not their own. God made a promise to Mary and Joseph. They had no idea what the fulfillment of that promise was going to look like. And the more they watched God fulfill it, the more confused they were, not the more clear. The same with Simeon and Anna. The same with Elizabeth and Zechariah. These are people that God made a promise to the wise men. Leave Babylon, go to Israel, and you will see something amazing. They had no details. When I say open, I mean they held their hands open. They believed that God had made them a promise. And they believed that God would fulfill that promise. And they were willing to wait on God to do or to fulfill that promise. But they were willing to rest in their confidence that God's love for them and God's goodness was better than their own commitment to themselves, their own plans for themselves. They were convinced that God was good and that God had committed that goodness to them. God's idea of goodness was greater than their own. I'm telling you, in my own life, there is a connection between my willingness to wait And my confidence that God is good. And as I talk to people every day, I believe that the greatest need and the greatest problem in every one of our lives is that we at the end of the day are not convinced that God is good. He does good things often. We believe But nice people can still do mean things. Nice people can still 
get busy and ignore us and forget about us and be focused on other things. Nice people do a lot of good things, but not all the time. You and I are nice. God is good. And to the degree that I'm convinced that God is good and that he's committed that goodness to me, Larry Ray, to that same degree, I will be able to wait on him. Do I really believe what the Bible says about God's goodness toward me? Psalm 23 says that God's goodness is pursuing me. Psalm 34 says, God says, taste and see that the Lord is good. I dare you. Like those chefs down in New Orleans. I could, they didn't say this to me, but I could see them saying it. Saying, Put that plate of food down in front of me. Taste that. I defy you to taste that and tell me that's not good. You won't put anything in your mouth any better than that. I, I just defy you to try that and see if it's not good. And do you know what? Had they said that to me, after I tasted it, I'd say, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. That is the best thing that I have ever eaten. That's what God is saying when he says, taste and see that the Lord is good. You just see if I am not at my core good and that that goodness of mine has been committed to you. Psalm 31 says that God's goodness is great and abundant. And Psalm 84 says that no good thing will God ever withhold from those that follow after Him. And then finally, and I'll stop. People that wait well are people that have learned to wait with other waiters. Let me say it again. People that wait well. That's the goal. If that's what you want to learn to do is to wait well. People that have learned to wait well have learned to wait with other waiters. Well, Larry, where do you get that? Mary receives a promise from God through Gabriel. Six months with Elizabeth, who was also a waiter. She's also waiting for the promise of God to be fulfilled. What, people that are able to wait well are people that have learned to wait with other waiters. It's one of the reasons that you struggle in your Christian life. I hear all the time, my Christian, Christianity doesn't work. This is not what I signed up for. This is not, my Christianity doesn't work. And I talk to you about your life for a little while. One of the, one of the things that you're doing, you don't, you've never grasped the importance of waiting with other waiters. You see your Christianity at its core. You see your Christianity and your journey with God as something that is just between you and God. You do not see the importance of being in spiritual community. I am telling you with as much love as I can, Satan is constantly trying to get you to emphasize independence and isolation. And God is constantly trying to get you to emphasize interdependence 
and community. If we're going to wait well, especially when the waiting gets long and when the waiting gets difficult, if we're going to wait well when we live in an environment filled with lies and deception and discouragement and hopelessness and despair, we better surround ourselves with some other people that go, Michael, I'm waiting and you can wait too. You're going to make it. God's going to be faithful. God's going to fulfill His promises to you. We've got to learn to wait with others. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 says, Two people are better than one, for their work will thrive. If one person falls down, his friend will help him up. But how sad for the person who falls alone. If two lie down, they'll be warm. But you can't keep warm alone. Though one person may be defeated, two will be victorious. God values waiting. Waiting to find victory over attack. Waiting in the confidence that God's promised you that He's going to do something mighty in your children. Waiting because you have discovered a promise from God about your health or the health of a loved one. That's between you and God. But do we have promises that we are clinging to Waiting on God to fulfill. Are we just wishing? Wishing life will get better. Wishing that life will turn out the way we think it should. Versus spending time with God. And discovering things about life. That we can wait on God to do. So that it turns out the way He wants it to. Are you a good waiter? Let me just ask you this as I end. What are you waiting on? What is it in your life that you're waiting on? How are you actively waiting on God to fulfill that promise? Are you waiting on God to do something that you believe will flow out of His goodness? Or are you demanding God to do exactly what you want? Who's your Elizabeth? Mary needed somebody to wait with. She ran to her cousin Elizabeth. Who's your, who is it in your life that knows what you're waiting on? The promises that you are waiting on God to fulfill. They know that you know those promises and they're going to wait with you. And when you get discouraged and overwhelmed and defeated and faithless, they'll step up and they'll, be, they'll have faith for both of you until your faith comes back. Are you a good waiter? I want to be a good waiter. God wants us to be good waiters. Because he promises if we will wait on him, he will fulfill his promise to think about that today. His goodness toward us. I want us to think about that today.
uh, Ivy and Shelby, would y'all come up and help me? I don't get y'all up in here very much, so I'll, I'll take you as soon as I can have you. In First uh, Corinthians chapter 11, Paul says, every time you take the Lord's Supper, you declare the Lord's death until He returns. See, when we eat this bread and drink this wine, we're actually declaring that we're waiting on the Lord. When I eat this bread and I drink this wine, I'm declaring God did something for me 33, no, longer than that, anyway, a long time ago. I don't know how many years ago. I'm declaring that God did something for me. But I'm also declaring that God made me a promise. And that is that He's going to come back and do something even greater. So by eating this bread and drinking this wine, I'm declaring I am waiting on God to return and to make right in my life and in my relationships and in my family and in this world. He's going to make right what is still wrong. It's a declaration of faith. A declaration that I'm waiting on God. And I invite you, if that is your declaration as well yes God did something for me long ago or not too long ago he invaded my life and forgave my sins and adopted me into his family he gave his body and shed his blood so that that could happen and that happened to me and I declare that but I also declare that that's not the end of it the fat lady hadn't sung yet it isn't over he's going to do something else in my life Maybe today, maybe in 50 years. But he's going to do something else incredible in the future. If that is your belief, if that is your testimony, then I want you to come and eat bread and drink wine and join me in doing that. You come. There will be people on my right and my left by the windows that would love to pray with you if you need prayer.